This is A Closer Look with Arthur Levitt. Arthur Levitt is a former chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, a Bloomberg LP board member, a senior advisor to the Promontory Financial Group, and a policy advisor to Goldman Sachs. Jeffrey Sachs is professor of sustainable development and professor of health policy and management at Columbia University. He's the director of both the Columbia Center for Sustainable Development and the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network. He has twice been named among Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential World Leaders. He's a New York Times bestselling author. His books include The End of Poverty and The Age of Sustainable Development. His newest book is Building the New American Economies, Smart, Fair, and Sustainable, in which he shows how we can find a path to growth and economic progress that is both fair and environmentally sustainable. He joins me now for a closer look. Jeff, your latest book is about why we need to build a new American economy. Did we stop building things? Did our government stop investing in its own future? Is that what provokes this writing? The U.S. economy in some ways has continued to uh, do what it has done for almost two centuries, and that is to achieve uh, economic growth and uh, to bring new technologies to the markets. So there are some wonderful accomplishments of the U.S. in information technology, uh, in uh, Tesla and electric vehicles and SpaceX and so forth. But there are two huge shortcomings in the U.S. economy uh, that we really feel socially and politically. One is that uh, our society has become incredibly divided uh, on income and on the basis, to a large extent, uh, of uh, educational attainment. So uh, people in the U.S. that have a college degree, by and large, are doing well, feeling well, having uh, rising income standards and life expectancy. Those who have less than a bachelor's degree are having a pretty hard time. And those with a high school diploma or less as their uh, highest uh, education attainment are, are really bearing the brunt of technological change and globalization. So that's one big problem, which is uh, an increasingly divided society and people just not making it. We even have rising death rates for uh, working class white Americans uh, that uh, are experiencing more substance abuse, more suicides, more despair. The second big problem, uh, one that uh, a lot of people just want to look away at and pretend doesn't exist, but most of us who live our lives know that it is real, is that we're really wrecking the environment in a pretty thoughtless way. And the uh, two big problems there are the global warming, which we know to be caused by our heavy dependence on coal, oil, and gas. And second, we are really depleting uh, so many vital 
parts of the environment, like the groundwater that provides uh, the basis for a lot of our irrigated agriculture or the biodiversity that's just dying off, uh, not only in the United States, but worldwide. So I don't despair of our economy. I think it's uh, pretty impressive that we have a $18 trillion uh, annual output, about $60,000 per person produced in the United States. is very impressive, but it could be much, much better for our well-being and for our long-term sustainability. Well, I'm wondering whether Trump's plans really coincide with the goals that you've outlined in the book. He proposes a package of tax breaks meant to help spur a trillion dollars in spending on roads and bridges. Do you think the tax breaks are enough to uh, get the job done in terms of public works projects? I think that our country has a little bit of uh, a problem uh, with uh, what psychologists call delayed gratification, which is uh, the ability to wait a little bit, save for the future, uh, invest for the future, and then reap the benefits. Uh, Too many people and too many influential lobbies, unfortunately, want, want the benefits right now. And so they want tax cuts, tax cuts, tax cuts. But we need the taxes to pay for the education, for the science and technology, and for the public part of the infrastructure in order to be able to have the higher productivity in the future. And we need to pay extra right now in order to mobilize technologies like wind and solar power which are a little bit more expensive than coal, but a heck of a lot cleaner and safer. And so it's spending a little bit more for a safer future. That's delayed gratification. But we don't have it right now. And uh, populists like Trump play to the we got to have it now. We'll continue this conversation with renowned economist and Columbia professor Jeffrey Sachs, in just a moment. This is A Closer Look with Arthur Levitt. It's 12 minutes past the hour. This is A Closer Look at Columbia professor Jeffrey Sachs. We've been discussing issues like infrastructure investment and Income Inequality, covered in his new book, Building a New American Economy. I'm Arthur Levitt. Jeff, unemployment at 4.7%, the stock market going reasonably well, and Janet Yellen suggesting that we're back to normal. How do you see this economy, and what do you regard to be its major weakness? From a macroeconomic point of view, the one that Janet Yellen looks at, we're doing okay. We have recovered from the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, The economy is growing and employment is relatively high. The problems that we have are not business cycle problems. They're structural. 
problems. In other words, are we getting the most human value out of the $18 trillion gross domestic product? Are we sharing the benefits of uh, prosperity widely enough? Are we looking after those who are really hurting? Are we investing for the future? That's where we fall short. Not so much in the short-term, quarter-to-quarter macroeconomics, but in the longer-term questions of uh, what we want to be building for this country. The angry voters in the last election weren't wrong. All the wealth seems to be accruing at the top. And to them, I suppose the game does seem rigged. Is there anything that you think we can do to redirect this imbalance? I think the basic uh, lesson of advanced market economies is that it's normal that there would be pretty high inequality of market returns, but that these can be reduced by government policies that ensure that everybody has access to education, health care, vacation time, maternity leave, and so on. So the countries I admire the most are Germany, Netherlands, Denmark, Sweden, Norway. I think they run the the most balanced uh, ships of state. Canada, I think, does better than we do also, in that they're all market economies like the U.S. They're all very prosperous, but they tax some more than we do, and they use that added revenue to ensure that kids don't have a crushing student debt. They ensure that every poor child can get a decent education. They ensure that everybody has vacation time, which I think we're rich enough to ensure right now. The United States is the only rich country that doesn't give even a single day of guaranteed paid vacation to the labor force. And I think that's just wrong now. We're, we're rich enough to do better and fairer than that. Well, that turns us toward uh, emphasis on Wall Street, where you're suggesting a turn away from high-frequency trading and hedge fund trading to long-term capital formation. And that inevitably, those who have spoken about this topic before you and those who will come after you will be talking about some sort of tax policy to deal with our uh, short-term thinking in the markets. I've always had reservations about using tax policy to influence market structure, but I'd be interested to know how you feel we should deal with this. First, I want to thank you for speaking out about these issues for so many years. Uh, It is a little bit crazy that we're spending a vast amount of money and taking the best minds in our country to uh, shade the time of uh, trading by nanoseconds. There isn't a, a single human benefit to that activity. There are winners and losers, but it, it's a negative sum game because uh, that arms race to uh, trade in, in uh, nanoseconds faster accomplishes no social purpose, but it does cost a lot of resources. And I think the hedge fund industry has a different problem, which is that it, I don't see the social value to it either, uh, in that. Uh, They've charged huge fees, of course, over the years 
they have uh, underperformed uh, the market on average for more than a decade. There has been one scandal after another of insider trading or financial fraud. I follow each of them closely. I think that uh, this business of uh, thinking that there are gurus that are going to systematically and consistently outperform the market is a mythology to begin with. And when uh, these people uh, try to live up to their mythical status, many of them end up breaking the law. And so I'm worried about our general moral framework of Wall Street, uh, because I think it has become an incredibly uh, corrupted place in uh, one financial fraud after another, whether it's insider trading or LIBOR rigging or uh, selling uh, known toxic assets uh, to uh, counterparties, uh, front-running uh, front running, uh, takeover bids uh, with insider information and, and so on. And I, I wish that our regulators were, well, they, they've really, uh, other than collecting some fines, they've not really uh, faced the moral question of Wall Street. And uh, we just haven't, we've had a debate about it, but we also haven't seen statesmen on Wall Street coming forward and saying we have to clean up our act, even when there's such uh, egregious behavior as Wells Fargo and, and others. He's a world-renowned professor of economics, leader in sustainable development, senior UN advisor and best-selling author, whose latest book is Building a New American Economy. He's also the co-recipient of the 2015 Blue Planet Prize, the leading global prize for environmental leadership. Columbia professor Jeffrey Sachs We'll return for part two of this interview next week at this same time. By the way, if you have comments about the show or suggestions for topics, please email me at a closer look at Bloomberg.net. That's a closer look, one word, at Bloomberg.net. And follow me on Twitter at Arthur Levitt, one word. This is a closer look with Arthur Levitt. It's 25 minutes past the hour. This is A Closer Look with Arthur Levitt. Arthur Levitt is a former chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, a Bloomberg LP board member, a senior advisor to the Promontory Financial Group, and a policy advisor to Goldman Sachs. This week... We continue our closer look at renowned economist and Columbia professor Jeffrey Sachs, widely considered to be one of the world's leading experts on economic development, global macroeconomics, and the fight against poverty. He's a senior UN advisor for sustainable development and best-selling author whose books include The End of Poverty, the Age of Sustainable Development, and his newest book, Building the New American Economy. You spend your days with college students, Jeff. Will the young people save us on climate change? 
for young people, uh, they've been hearing about this issue. They've been studying it in uh, from elementary school through high school to university. Uh, they have heard rightly uh, from uh, the scientists in the world that they're going to be bearing the brunt of what's happening. So there's a lot of interest uh, in this. There's uh, among the college students uh, no doubt that this is real. And there's a lot of concern that our government doesn't act. China owns five of the world's six largest solar manufacturing companies. Aren't these the jobs we should be worried about? Absolutely. China is on a uh, breakneck course to dominate the sustainable technologies of the future. They actually have something called Made in China 2025 initiative. And it's an industrial policy that says China should have cutting edge global expertise and competitiveness in industries, including information technology, uh, semiconductors, robotics, electric vehicles, smart shipping, fast intercity rail, uh, advanced uh, avionics uh, and uh, passenger aviation, uh, advanced uh, agriculture, uh, genomics, uh, and uh, new materials uh, with uh, renewable energy uh, in, in uh, photovoltaics uh, among those. So they've really set out a, a bold, clear, explicit agenda. Uh, this is not just a textbook pronouncement. It's what the government's actually doing in allocating resources. And so what are we doing, <laughs> spinning our wheels or even canceling in, in uh, Trump's budget uh, something called ARPA-E? ARPA-E is uh, the Advanced Research Program for Advanced Energy uh, in the Department of Energy. It's a, it's a wonderful program. It's looking at cutting-edge technologies for batteries, for example, for uh, high-quality, low-cost, low-weight electric vehicles. And it's been going on for a number of years. And because Trump is trying to uh, pretend that the climate change isn't real, uh, he cut out all through the government. He obviously had his team go through every place that climate change was mentioned and then tried to axe that program. Well, who's going to produce the renewable energy of uh, the 2030s uh, on, on this strategy? It, it won't be us if we continue that way. It'll be China. Solar power is now cheaper than coal in some parts of the world, and I suspect will be everywhere soon. Don't you think the markets will be able to deal with the clean energy in the right way? Markets are, are absolutely uh, playing a, a very clear role in certain ways right now. For instance, it's uh, heavily polluting uh, oil sands have taken properly a big market hit, despite the Trump saying we're going to be uh, bringing those oil sands to market through a, a new pipeline, uh, what's actually happened is that Shell sold its holdings, uh, ConocoPhillips sold its holdings, Chevron is uh, about to sell its holdings in, in the Canadian oil sands, uh, Statoil sold its holdings uh, in Canada. So the market's saying, no way. 
And uh, another uh, dramatic case uh, in just the recent days is that Tesla uh, is now uh, valued uh, on the market more than General Motors and more than Ford. So that's the market playing the right role, for sure. Uh, And I actually think that uh, the message is getting through. So even though uh, President Trump uh, kind of fulminates uh, against uh, the climate agenda, I think real investors uh, know the difference and aren't going to be putting more money into coal plants. But what is also true, and and I think it's important to note, is that um, some of these uh, clean technologies cost more. They really do still cost more because while solar may be cheaper, it can't be stored uh, so cheaply. We'll continue this conversation with Columbia professor Jeffrey Sachs, also the director of the Center for Sustainable Development at Columbia University, in just a moment. This is a closer look with Arthur Levitt. It's 12 minutes past the hour. This is a closer look at economist and Columbia University professor Jeffrey Sachs. He's also a best-selling author and syndicated columnist, and I'd like to talk about one of your recent columns, Jeff, in the Boston Globe on our wars in the Middle East. Could you, uh, well, let's say what do you think of National Security Advisor H.R. Uh, McMaster and Defense Secretary Mattis? Are these moderating forces in Trump world? Well, time will tell. What I do think is that our foreign policy establishment, uh, not the particular individuals, but really the uh, the security state that's been there from Clinton through Bush through Obama, and remains uh, largely in place till now, has taken us into too many wars uh, in the Middle East. And uh, we should not have fought uh, the wars of choice uh, in Iraq in 2003 or overthrowing Gaddafi uh, in Libya in 2011 or trying to overthrow Assad in uh, Syria uh, from 2011 till this very day. I think this has been uh, very naive, very costly, very destabilizing, and increasingly dangerous because it puts us on a collision course with a lot of other uh, powerful countries. It's also unleashed a wave of uh, millions and millions of refugees that in turn is destabilizing European politics. So these are what I call wars of choice. Would you end the fighting in the Middle East right away? Would you end it everywhere right now? Just pull out. Yes. Uh, What I would do is uh, stop the covert operations, which we're undertaking in probably a dozen countries right now. I would stop the support of the uh, anti-Assad rebels in uh, Syria. I would uh, stop uh, the U.S. uh, military and often covert presence uh, in Yemen, uh, in uh, Somalia, in uh, Syria, 
in Iraq, uh, in Afghanistan. But what I would do uh, is uh, note that the powers of the region, Iran, Turkey, Saudi Arabia, have a real interest in uh, stopping the Islamic State, for example. Uh, None of those standing sovereign nations wants this kind of violent, super-violent, renegade uh, group running around in their territory. Uh, Our wars have actually opened up the space for uh, these horrible uh, jihadist groups. And so what I would do is pull out uh, the U.S. military, but I would uh, try through the U.N. Security Council to say that the major powers, especially China, Russia, the United States, uh, Britain, and France, uh, push the regional powers, the ones that live with this day in and day out, (coughs) to get their act together to uh, actually uh, end uh, this... uh, uh, ISIS uh, phenomenon, uh, realizing that ISIS is a, it, it's uh, horrible, it's, it's uh, vulgar, it's uh, in, incredibly uh, brutal uh, and medieval, but it's only uh, 30 or 50,000 in total. And they're so completely outnumbered by the standing armies of, of the region if we did this systematically, not with the U.S. in its uh, bombastic way, and I use the term because we bomb uh, all the time, uh, if we weren't doing it, but we were doing it through a U.N. framework that recognized the role of the regional powers and didn't keep taking sides so relentlessly that we're on the Saudi side, we're against the Iranian side, and so forth, we would actually uh, stabilize a region that urgently needs stabilization. Can this be done almost immediately? I know that you wrote an article in the Boston Globe recently that the United States should immediately end its fighting in the Middle East. Do you mean everywhere and just pull out suddenly? I'm alarmed, and I would alert everybody to the fact that we're right now on a path of escalation. Uh, We've had uh, the Tomahawk uh, drone attacks uh, in Syria. We've had the mother of all bombing uh, bomb uh, in Afghanistan. We've had major uh, drone strikes in Iraq, which killed hundreds of civilians. We're rattling, uh, beating the drums of war with regard to North Korea. This is rather alarming uh, because uh, we have a president who is uh, completely inexperienced in foreign policy. Uh, He obviously uh, changes day to day, even in basic questions, uh, basic alliances, (laughs) basic decisions. So he's impetuous, inexperienced, and uh, at the command of the most powerful uh, arsenal in the history of the world. And I don't find that a comforting uh, combination. I find it a very worrisome thing, and I wish that some grown-ups in Congress, not just uh, in the executive branch, but in Congress, would say, this is a democracy. Congress uh, declares war. The president uh, does not have the authority to go to war 
on his own. And before we do something that could be disastrous, absolutely tragic, for example, attacking North Korea and with the potentially horrific consequences, uh, we, we need some uh, better governance. He is a professor and director of the Center for Sustainable Development at Columbia University. The New York Times called him probably the most important economist in the world, and he has twice been named among Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential World Leaders. He's also a New York Times best-selling author, whose new book is Building a New American Economy, Smart, Fair, and Sustainable. Professor Jeffrey Sachs, thank you for joining us. By the way, if you have comments about the program or suggestions for topics, please email me at a closer look at Bloomberg.net. That's a closer look, one word, at Bloomberg.net. And follow me on Twitter at Arthur Levitt, one word. This is a closer look with Arthur Levitt. It's 25 minutes past the hour. 